Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who love to read. Readers who love to write. And anyone who loves words. Yay! Okay, so today we are super excited. We've got Tiffany Ann with us. And we've gotten connected with Tiffany over Instagram and just um, gotten to, I've gotten to read some of her stuff and it's just been really fun to get to know her. So we are excited to dig into her work. Tiffany has self-published a number of books, quite a lot of books, actually, um, an impressive number of books that are in the paranormal romance genre. Um, she has a series called The Soulmate Call, which has a, a couple of books in it now. And then she just released a new series, Hotel La Mia. And about the time that this podcast comes out, there'll be another book in that series as well. So that's the one that I got to read. It's super fun, vampire happy throughout, happily ever after. It's also super steamy. So Tiffany, thank you for so much for being here. We're glad to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We always start out our interviews kind of checking in with what is your story about story? When did you first connect with story? When did you first kind of read something and it kind of woke up a love of story for you? Oh my gosh, I've been reading since I was a small child my friend growing up she'd come over and we each sit in a corner and we'd read a book oh, I, love like, that. I love that yes and I've, I've always read of course then kids came along so I got kind of busy and didn't get to read as much sure. then I went back into the workforce four years ago and I work at night by myself so I have lots of time to read so I got back into reading more frequently than I was allowed to before with you know kids around yeah and of course the store my first story has been in me for uh, over 20 years now, yeah. but I didn't put it to paper until two years ago. I didn't have the courage to do it. <laughs> my, my oldest pushed me. She was like, mom, you've got to do it. You just got to, yeah. even though she had no idea what it was about or if I could even do it. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, mom, just do it. And yeah. I did. And at first I just did it for myself. And then my oldest is still like, no, mom, you can't just keep it to yourself. Even if nothing comes of it, you have to try. And now it's like, I'm feeding my soul. Yes. You know? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so great. We need people like that in our lives who will kind of push us out the door sometimes when we're, because it's hard. It's scary to put stuff out in the world or to try to pursue yes. those big dreams. It so. was very terrifying. So yeah. it gets easier every day, less terrifying. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> do you have any um, tips or tricks to help make it less terrifying? Or is there anything that you do for yourself when you're getting kind of in your head about it or? Uh, no, I mean, I've gotten over the whole, what are friends and family going to think of me? You know, cause like you said, it's steamy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was nerving at first. Like, oh, my mom might see this, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. my teenagers roll their eyes at it whenever they're like, when I was doing an audio book proof and they would hear stuff, they're like, mom, <laughs> <laughs> But um, they got over it. So I never, I wasn't worried about what my kids would think. Certain friends and stuff, but people have been way more supportive than I expected. So I've kind of gotten over that. I think it's like I tell people a lot of times, I put out a post one time, if you think your friends and family are going to read it and that's stopping you, don't let that stop you because yeah. most won't read it. <laughs> <laughs> it's strangers that find you. Yeah. So has your mom read it then? <laughs> no. Well, and do you mind if we go into how you approached writing? We, we actually last 
February talked about kind of writing romantic scenes and how you approached deciding what to put in and what to hold back and what your process was. Well, I guess so like in my first book, when I put the scenes in, I tried to make them more innuendos (laughs) than straight up saying it. (laughs) And just the more I wrote, the more comfortable I got. And of course, the more I read, you know, it's in the books that I read. So um, there, there was another, there's an author I like, and I was talking to her and her editor had her cut the scenes and she sent them to me. I was like, why did she make you cut these scenes? And I was like, no, people want to see this. They want when that couple is hot and heavy, they don't want you to skip to the next morning. They woke up together. They want to feel what they went through. So it just, it got easier each time. Yeah. Yeah. There's some things I haven't crossed the line with yet. (laughs) We'll see. I don't know. (laughs) Well, and it's that comfort level of like, what is yours to put out there? And and I think you're right that there's definitely an audience for that. And there's definitely people who want to feel what the characters are feeling. They don't want to skim over that and pretend it's not happening. Like having that connection to that romance, that energy can be really powerful. For sure. And I think there's some interesting character development you can do even in those scenes that you would miss. Like I I enjoyed a lot the way in Hotel Mia, the way you developed April and January, is that his name? And their relationship, especially like, I think without some of those sex scenes, you would miss a lot of the development in there um, of what was happening between them. Exactly. She was also a really fun character, by the way. She's one of my favorites. She's definitely one of my favorites. This is the character who was super sarcastic and just like said what she thought and just was not going to take any crap from anybody. (laughs) It was great. Um, Do you have any tips for writing kind of extreme characters like that? Something I've been thinking about in my own writing a lot is kind of the um, need to dial characters up more. So like just go all out with them and not try to hold back because that's what I want in a book that I'm reading. Like I want those characters that are just out there and say what I can't say in my real life and that kind of thing. But I get scared to do it. So if you have any advice for that, I I would love to hear. I think you just have to be bold with them. I got a comment recently And it actually makes me think more. They said that they noticed that some authors, their characters all seem the same throughout all their books, even in different series, their personalities start acting all the same. And she was complimenting me saying that I do a really good job of giving my care, each of my characters, a different personality Mm -hmm. and not blending them together, not being able to say, oh, well, this person, because there's like. I haven't had an April yet in my soulmate series, but April just was what we all want to say, what we all hold back, like what, what's in our minds, what we say to our friends behind closed doors. And if you have those characters inside of you, don't be afraid to do it. Like even April, the editor tried cutting some of the things she said and changing her wording. And I was like, this is her. You can't change. Sure. Some people hate April. I know I've had a little bit of feedback that they hated her. Not knew that that would be some people, but you're either going to hate her or love her. And those characters are talking to us. They're telling us what's going on. They're telling us who they are. So listen to them. Yes. Definitely listen to them. Cause if you hold back, the development's not going to be there. You know, don't be afraid to have a weak character. There's like the one I'm working right now. She's a little bit weaker, definitely not as strong as April is. And 
they're going to come the blows every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> but that yeah. kind of contrast can be great in a story. Like I love when I see that in books, when you have that contrast and characters, they're so different yeah. from each other and clash with each other. It just creates great tension and conflict and all of that. Oh yeah. Like her knees tremble every time April walks in the room. kind of thing. <laughs> But don't be afraid to listen to those characters in your head. That's what I'm learning. Whatever they say, yeah. that's what goes. And I think also reminding yourself that when someone is editing your work, you are the one who ultimately knows what it is and who those characters are. And you almost have to fight for that, for the the authenticity of it, um, keeping it what it is. Do you do anything to help you to like to find those character voices or to come up with that? I mean, there's like character worksheets and some people do like uh, character journals or that kind of thing. Do you do anything like that? Or you just kind of know the character when you go in? No, I did NaNoWriMo and I did the Preptober for the first time. And during Preptober, I answered questions for the character I was working on then because the questions were asked. I didn't come up with the questions. (laughs) So I was like, huh. So I had to sit and think about it. And it was really helpful. And it made the the writing easier. It's not necessarily the way I would always go because if it's not there in front of me, I'm not coming up with the questions. (laughs) Yeah. I just letting it flow and just letting them like them, letting them develop kind of like a child as a child grows, the character grows inside of me and mm-hmm. I just let them be who they want to be. Mm-hmm. I may think one way, cause I think if I had it all written down and they started telling me something else, sure. It might be harder to go the way they're going. If I already had it written mm-hmm. out, but yeah. that's me. Yeah. you know, you've got the planners out there and it works for them you know I do know some writers that's all they do is playing and they sit down and they've got the book written in like three days and I'm like that's not me I just like to just let them talk to me and do what they're saying right then in that moment and they will take me all over the place and surprise me yes so is that how you approach plot then too like like do you go into the story knowing kind of where it's going to go at least or do you just go in totally free and let the characters lead the way well I mean I know how going to be the beginning and how it's going to get resolved and I know what some of the conflicts are going to be but I still do go into it like okay what's going to happen next like all right we need a thousand words today what are we doing today (laughs) where are you what's going on I do and um so sure sometimes it'll be one of those a week of just daydreaming and thinking about it in my head then other times it's like okay I'm just going to sit down and my fingers to the keyboard and whatever you tell me that's what's coming out I wrote research papers in school and then went back and did the outline that the teachers needed I love that I'm I'm here for that as well so So you mentioned that the soulmate call you had kind of in your head for 20 years like so that sounds like it was one that was kind of percolating back there for a long time can you talk a little bit about that or like do you remember where that idea first came from or how that started it was one of those okay like chapter one was one of those never was moments. And so the whole rest like would just develop like, you know, can sleep at night. So let's just go with what could have happened. Of course, I added the sci-fi into it as there's someone who loves sci-fi and has some wants to have those experiences like telepathy would be totally an awesome experience the one you love. (laughs) So the telepathy didn't come until later. It was just everything else before that, because I kept thinking, how can I add this to sci-fi? I didn't want to make them vampires. I didn't want to make them wolves. 
what could I do? And then it just hit me how I wanted to do it. And of course it started out as human abilities. And the more I write, the more I'm finding out that there's more, more to it than what they think Uh (laughs) that will come out in later books. Yeah. It just, it was just one of those things. And it was the only one I thought that was going to be it. And as I'm writing, get finished and I'm like, Oh, there's going to be four. (laughs) and then when I finished when I finished book two I was like oh my gosh there's gonna be nine and then when I wrote book three I was like okay there's gonna be ten and then while I'm writing book five and doing NaNoWriMo book 11 was like nope you have to have this voice and so I'm trying to do NaNoWriMo I'm having to write book 11 because it won't shut the character won't shut and I was like the whole time I'm screaming at him trying to save your grandparents marriage and you're just yelling at me in my head. So I'm having to write it all down, even though that one won't come out for at least a year. I was like, but I had to get it on paper. Yeah. And so it was an interesting uh, November. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. it sounds yeah. like you wrote quite a lot. <laughs> I did. I did. I got like the very first day I opened to even put book 11 to words. I got uh, over 4,000 words in just a couple of hours. Oh. They just were like, they were screaming at me and I was like, wow, this is going to be good. I can't share it with anybody yet. <laughs> Spoilers, but it will help with development with the ones coming yeah. in the future. So this is good. It's kind of like planning. Absolutely. You kind of know where you're going and can kind of start yeah. dropping those foreshadowing things in. That's great. And I think listening to it when it's the time for it, whatever it is, like it yes. may not be anywhere near chronological order in the story but it's kind of it's ready so it's like get it out yes exactly get it out there there is something so powerful about just following that curiosity and that inspiration when it hits I feel like a lot of times we're kind of told as writers to stay focused and like finish this project and just make a note set it aside but I think there's something powerful about following what your heart wants to do in that moment like it gives you so much more motivation and so much more energy Oh yeah. And speaking of the things they tell writers to do and not to, (laughs) they say just write and don't go back and read what you're writing. I can't do that because there'll be days if I am sitting in front of the computer and I'm not feeling the characters, I have to go back and read what I've written just to feel them again and get right. And it gets me right back to where I need to be. I'm like, no, I'm not putting them aside and not listening to them again. I don't, that's just not me. Yeah. Yes. That may work for some people because we're all different. But whenever Absolutely. I see that suggestion, I'm like, no, it's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah. I tend to be that way too. And I I think being aware of what is yours, like in that process of okay, this is how I work best and doing it. That's I think that's great advice. Yes. Yeah. And there's lots of advice out there. So some of it you can take and some of it you just have to throw away. So don't ever let the advice hold you down and make you feel like I have to do what they're telling me to do to be successful. You have to find you and you have to find what works for you and let what other people have to say and how other people do it just roll off your shoulders. Yes, <laughs> totally. And it's not going to be your voice if you're listening to things that make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. So talk with us a little bit about self-publishing. Like how did you decide to go that route and what has been that process been like for you? Definitely um, interesting. You know, like when I first went with it, learning the rules, there's rules and terms and conditions (laughs) depending on what platform you use. Sure. Amazon has a lot of rules, 
but I'm sure you could submit it to traditional publishers, but looking into all of it, so much seems to be, a, there's so much scam out there. There's so much real out there. You don't know what's what. And unless you have that connection to get into those doors, it's scary to look at traditional publishers, people claiming to be publishers, reaching out to you, asking for money. And you're like, wait a minute, why should I pay you? So it was all overwhelming, just glancing at it. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this myself, see how I can do it. You know, spend a little bit money here and there. If I'm you know, these traditional publishers, the real ones supposedly aren't going to ask for money up front. Getting in the door with one of them is very challenging. Sure. <laughs> I can only imagine. I just, I wanted to get out there. I want to get started. Mm-hmm. Patience is not one of my virtues. <laughs> <laughs> Which works in your favor. I mean, that's yeah. why you have so many books done, right? Because you just yes, get yes, going. And- <laughs> I do. And, um, you know, just with Hotel Lamia is when I started investing in editors, mm-hmm. which has been almost more of a headache than just keep doing it myself and relying on my beta readers. But, um, you know, you hear that advice, you have to use an editor, you have to use an editor. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm going to use an, an editor again for Hotel La Mia. I haven't yet let someone get a hold of my, the soulmate called babe, my baby series yet. Yeah. <laughs> Pick it apart. <laughs> After seeing how Hotel La Mia got picked apart and it wasn't like criticized. I just wanted to reword the things that the character said. I was so I'm like, maybe I can find someone who just does grammatical edits. Yeah. Like, there are so many different types of editors and it is hard to find someone. You got to kind of look around, I think, to find someone who fits with you well. And But yeah, I think if you want to get it out there, indie publishing is not easy either. Sure. You're your own marketer, cover designs. There's just so much you have to do it all. But then you also have more power than necessarily what a traditional publisher is going to give you because they're going to take a lot of that power from you. Yeah. So it's a matter of, do you want to give that power to somebody else? It's hard, definitely. So how they get in the door of these traditional publishers, I have no advice for that. <laughs> I haven't even tried, but I say just, if you want to do it, just do it. Mm-hmm. As an indie author, there's so many before, like, you know, with Mary Shelley, this wasn't an option. She had to go with, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> you know, now you have the option to do it yourself and be in control. And there's a, freedom and feeling that you're in control now of course you're not an overnight success but you just persevere and keep going (laughs) yeah what's been the hardest part of that self-publishing I would think marketing is the hardest part honestly Mm -hmm. because like I had to change my book covers Mm. I did that at the one year anniversary of the soulmate call and I cried I did not and I even took critics that was the most criticism I took from family was changing the covers and they're like oh well Stephanie Myers doesn't have people on the cover and I'm like Stephanie Myers has a publisher (laughs) (laughs) has someone doing the marketing for her I'm taking marketing classes and the advice is if you're not selling first thing you do change your book cover yeah change your hook and it was hard I loved my covers I loved that they were different I loved that they were a piece of art and Mm -hmm. changing them like broke my heart but I got to do it. And, you know, my first book is perma-free and it still wasn't, it was still perma-free in the old cover and I wasn't getting downloads. And now it's been on the bestseller in the free books for close to 50 days now, you know, covers make a difference no matter how much it hurts you. Marketing is definitely the hardest thing and listening to what, and readers want certain covers in that genre. 
they have certain expectations. You know, I'm not changing the story. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to give them what they want to get them into the story to yeah. pull them in and make them want to read it. So that's the hardest thing for me is marketing, definitely. Yeah. And how did you approach changing the covers? Like, did you design them or did you purchase them? How, how did well, that so, work? So, um, my first covers, of course, I worked with someone locally who was an artist and she just yeah. got each book and she did a beautiful job and mm -hmm. I love them. You know, that was, that was different because at a time when I first started, I had no idea that there was people who just would sell you covers and work with you. So another author that I had read and I loved her covers, I would see her all the time bragging about who she used. Mm -hmm. She happened to use another author and I'm like, oh man, if I can support another author and I sure. love what she's doing, I'm definitely going to support another author. And so I just sent her a message. I was like, I sent her a couple of pictures and told her what the story was about and that were more along the lines of magical realism is where we're headed with this genre. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when I just sent her the images of the guys that I wanted to use, she instantly came back with, I mean, it was less than an hour. She came back with ideas wow. and I was like, wow. So I used yeah. her. She does write her write books herself, but on the side, she also loves making covers. Nice. My understanding, she's on some of these websites that offer cover sales. Uh -huh. But since I went to her directly, I haven't seen that site and I wouldn't even know where it is to recommend it. But yeah. <laughs> you have to network. Yeah. It's networking. Yes. It's talking to people. It's who do you use? Who do you go through? And finding the one that works for you. It, there's a lot of networking involved. Yeah. And I think if I didn't network in my personal life, I probably would have been like fish out of water, Yes, <laughs> but just, you know, commenting on people's Facebook on, on their Instagram, getting to know them, talking to them as a, a reader, not as a writer, not pulling from them saying, Hey, I need you to help me or supporting them as a reader really helps. Cause then I don't think they feel bombarded. They feel more like, Oh, this is someone I genuinely want to get to know. I genuinely want to see what she writes. And you just have, I think you have, you do better. Like I don't turn yeah. people down who reach out to me and say, Hey, would you do a beta read for me? You know, I've seen you review one of my books before. I don't mind that. That's not my personality. I'm not going to send you a direct message <laughs> yeah. like that, but they do, but it's that networking. It's that learning what other tools work for other people, yeah. taking those classes. It's overwhelming. But there's so much out there and it's just like anything. You learn something new every day in that area. It does take away from your writing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, they're, they're there. The tools are there. If you want it, you can build it. Okay. I do have one more question before we get to our final question though. Hotel Lamia takes place in a hotel, obviously. And yes. the characters work in the, in the hotel and I, you work at a hotel and I'm just so yes. curious to know how many of those stories are actually like from your work experience, because some of them were quite crazy and made me laugh a lot. That was fun. In that book, all but one. Really? Yeah. Wow. All but one. And, and it wasn't just necessarily me. Like even as soon as I show up at work now, the coworkers are like, okay, get out your pen and paper. This is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I mean, at this point, I'm ready to just start coming in with the mic ready to record yeah. what they have to say because now that I know that I'm putting it into writing I write it down as soon as it happens sure. like when I did book one it was all from remembering the moments and talking to my coworkers and saying what was your favorite thing that happened here that we went through 
and they were great about that. But now it's like, as soon as it happens, you know, we had a drunk guy conversation <laughs> and the whole time he's going, I'm probably boring you, aren't I? And I'm like, if you only knew in my head that as soon as you walk away, I'm writing down everything that we just said to each other. And you walked away and I had 500 words and I was like, it's beautiful. (laughs) So great. That's such a great example, I think, of pulling from your life and what you know, though, and like using that for inspiration for your work. I love that. Right. So it's like, I should wear a t-shirt probably if I could that said, you know, what happens between me and you might end up in a book on the counter at the hotel. But you know, so all but one was actual things that happened to me and my coworkers. Do you mind if I talk to you a little bit about location? Because I know that the Hotel Lamia series, it's it's changing locations, right, to New yes. York. Yes. Since you are from New Orleans, right? You Right, right outside of it, yeah. Yeah. You wrote in in it changing to New York how did how did that work did you do any research for that or how did you approach it well I will do research as far as if I go outside and bring in any of the culture of New York I haven't yet decided how much of the culture will come in it definitely won't feel as authentic as New Orleans did because that just is where I am it's just the life that I live the life I've known and it was just really fun to bring I wanted to showcase New Orleans Yeah not in love with New York. So I don't feel the need to showcase it. <laughs> While I have been to New York City, I'll probably draw from memories of visiting New York. Mm-hmm. And of course, we'll do research. It won't be as authentic because I you know, haven't been there. I will put out, I'll do this all the time. I'll put out a message on Facebook. Hey, do you, if you're any of my Facebook friends from New York, tell me your favorite place. Tell me your favorite mm-hmm. thing to do. And usually I get good feedback from doing something like that. And I That's can add awesome. it into the story. So, uh, you know, like right now, this one's in New York. If I continue the series, I would, I would hop to another location. Yeah. And I did choose locations that places that I have been, you know, so I could definitely easier, pull from yeah. those memories. But yes. fortunately, we have the internet. Fortunately, we yeah. have social media where people can help us with these locations. Uh, of course, there's always, let's take a trip if we need to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. So, I mean, it's, great at this advice. moment, I'm at 10,000 words with book two and getting into the heart of the city hasn't become a part of this story yet. But um, in book one, Kovach was in love with New Orleans. So it became a part of yeah. the story because it was a part of him. So I think it's a matter of if my characters decide mm-hmm. that New York City's in their blood or not. Yes. So we'll have to see. They haven't told me yet that it is. <laughs> Looking for location of where the hotel might be. Did have to do some research, that kind of thing. I know research isn't bad. So I'm not opposed to research or pulling from personal experiences. So I like to do a bit of both. I love that. Great. We always ask at the end, and you've given us tons of great advice, but do you have any specific advice for any people who are looking to write? how to pursue that um any well I mean my soul has changed completely like my outlook my countenance my Mm. peace because I'm doing what I love Mm. and if you look at it as doing that instead of trying to become a success it makes it those days less stressful when you're like oh the book sales aren't where I want them to be like right now all my stuff every you know I'm doing that perma free everybody's downloading free books so but I think well somebody's reading it though it means a lot to me that somebody's reading it 
even if they didn't pay for it yet. You know, if this, if you're getting into this just to make money, <laughs> it's the wrong you know, job. <laughs> it's the wrong job. And I'm not saying money won't come eventually. Sure. If you don't give up, it could very well come eventually, but that's not what you should should seek to do. You should seek to do something that's in your heart because you love it. Mm-hmm. And once you start putting your heart out there, you find healing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like your own personal therapist. Yeah, absolutely. You're, those voices, they're walking you through it. They're talking you through those moments and it's beautiful. So I recommend if it's in you, just do it. Do it for mm-hmm. yourself and no one else. Mm-hmm. But I agree. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Tiffany. This was a delight. And I know it's been super inspiring for me. I'm struggling to finish a whip right now. <laughs> and, um, we just wish you all the best in your pursuits and in your yes. upcoming books and all of that. Thanks for having me. It's been such a pleasure. <laughs>